0: Summoners, welcome to another episode of Phaeology, the study of Fire Emblem Heroes. So, with me being quarantined in my home now, I have much more time for scripting for the show. Despite this, I have learned that scripting for an hour on end is incredibly tiresome, and I am unable to do it. So, uh, with B-Tier, the mythic and legendary hero tier list, being so long and full of heroes as it is, I decided to turn to some people in my Discord server to assist in the scripting of the show and uh, giving their two cents on these characters as well. So most of this is still scripted by me. I reviewed all of it. I made some slight edits to each of them. Um, But basically, uh, this was a big team effort, and I want to say huge thanks to everyone who assisted with the making of this episode. So uh, with B tier, this is uh, the tier that includes uh, Duma... Erica, Eliwood, Frid, Marth, Roy, and Tiki. So we'll be going over them all individually. So B-tier is where we're getting to the real bread and butter heroes. Uh, C-tier was good. I still think all the C-tier units were good. But this is quite literally the next level. Uh, The units here are getting more powerful and are at the point now where they're solid pickups if you want to get them. They'll have very uh, good roles that can fill in your team. So first up, Duma is our lowest ranked Mythic hero. He's an armored colorless mythic dragon he has 40 attack and very mixed defensive bulk both resting near 80 he has a 19 might weapon that packs adaptive damage against ranged opponents and if the opponent is not at full health duma gains attack and resistance plus six during combat Uh, and foe cannot make follow-up attacks he has defense resistance solo which helps his bulk even more he comes with bold fighter so easy way to get follow-up attacks and accelerated cooldown, and a personal skill upheaval that damages all enemies in the first turn and acts like a catapult in AR defense. You would think this makes him a very potent unit, yes? Well, yes, but not to the extent you may be imagining. His low speed, while not a problem for attacking due to Bold Fighter, can be problematic when you consider he is dual-weak to armor and dragon, and a lot of heavy-hitting units are built to counter that, including fast ones who easily outspeed him. He can't move around very much either. Uh, He locomotes incredibly slowly, so he can't exactly run away from people. Uh, Overall, to me, his greatest weakness is just the type of hero he is. Duma is best used as a defensive map anchor, and that's kind of it. His mythic effect lowers the amount of lift you lose when your defense map fails to win, meaning he's only really effective at fulfilling his Aether Raids role when you lose, and that's a shame. He has two weaknesses and no natural way to cover them. He can't locomote effectively. His only real use pins him as an AI-manipulated rock in the middle of your defense map. Like I said, he's still good. B-tier has nothing but good units in it. But his usefulness is fairly limited to one form of the game, and it's one where he's kind of out of your control since it's AI that plays AR defense for you. So how good is Duma? Well, he's B-tier. You can determine how good that is based on the rest of the units on this list. Next up, we have legendary Erica. Erica is much better than her brother, who I uh, very sadly, with a, it was a incredibly heavy heart, I did this. I had to leave him behind in uh, C tier. Erica, though, managed to claw her way up to B tier with just an ever slight amount of personal bias and my team on Discord wanted to throw me a bone. While Ephraim focused on solo, survivabil- uh, solo survivability and damage output, Erica throws survivability to the wind and goes full on damage mode. Her 31 attack might seem quite low and I won't argue it is, but she makes up for it first off by granting an attack bonus to allies a 19 might preferred weapon, one that also accelerates her cooldown per action and grants plus 3 to her defenses if there are more or equal enemies by her than allies Uh, and the jewel in Erica's crown has to be her special skill Lunar Brace. Lunar Brace slows special trigger cooldown plus one, so it slows the, the special trigger, uh, makes it harder to activate, but in exchange, it deals an extra 50% of foes' defense in the special triggers. You combine that with, with Luna, which lowers enemy defense by 50%, and you can do the math. Erica basically has black Luna, depending on what special you give her, um, and it can have a hit that does even more, depending on the, the, the skills you want to equip her with. So Erica has decent to good stats, thanks to high speed attack that is serviceable and much better than it looks on paper, and defenses that, unlike her original game appearance in Sacred Stones, actually exist. I think she's probably the low end of B tier, but darn it if I was going to leave Sacred Stones second C tier. Erica is a hero who has flaws, but when she has her chance to shine, she will not disappoint. The next tier we have is Legendary Eliwood, our first person to reach a higher tier because of Support Utility. And he will not be the last, I promise you. Eliwood is a Support Legendary who is no slouch on his own. With 36 attack, 34 speed, and decently good physical bulk, Eliwood stat-wise has a good amount going for him. He has Chill Attack and death blow 4, uh, so even with skills, he packs quite a bit. And those aren't even his special skills. <laughs> That's because his special uh, assisting abilities stem from his personal skill and his preferred weapon. His weapon, Ardent Durandal, is very strong, being a 19 might sword that grants bonus doubler to the ally with the highest attack. Yes, bonus doubler. That thing so strong they kept it locked to only infantry to avoid mass emblem buffs, except infantry beasts and dragons exist. Also, Hone Res for Legendary Azura exists. That bonus doubler... Eliwood just slaps down to whoever has the highest attack, supercharging one ally who is already probably your strongest. But wait, there's more. His personal skill, Vision of Arcadia, which encourages using many different races on your team, grants attack, defense, plus six to the ally with the highest attack, meaning they get attack, defense, plus six, and a bonus doubler. And did I mention he comes with rally speed uh, speed res plus? Well, he does. Eliwood can essentially grant emblem buffs and bonus doubler to one ally, and I find that troublesome. His bonuses also go on to everyone with the highest attack value, meaning if you have three very strong allies who all have the same attack stat, you will grant all three of them plus six to attack and defense and bonus doubler. I consider Eliwood a B tier because of his support game being so solid to good, and his combat abilities being pretty much the same. Hrid is the last unit on this tier who I am scripting all on my own. I outsourced the rest of them. Anyway, Hrid is a decently powerful hero with nothing short of great skills at his disposal. Hrid has decent magical bulk and good physical bulk with base uh, base 37 attack and a 19 might preferred weapon that secures follow-up attacks if the opponent has any penalties while also under the same requirement stopping them from making any follow-up attacks. He also comes with a personal skill, Freezing Seal, which is quite similar to Gunthrow's Chilling Seal, but just a bit different. Freezing Seal inflicts attack speed minus 6 on foe with the lowest resistance at the start of turn if Frid has half his health or higher. Everything sounds great, right? Well, everything is admittedly pretty solid right now. He even has Distant Counter in his base kit, so Frid's a good pull. That is why he's in B tier, but his low speed is a real issue. I mentioned how much it cripples Duma, but it hurts Hrid too. I mentioned how good uh, Hrid's stats are, but I excluded his speed, which rests at a base value of drumroll please, 17. Sure, he can outspeed Arden, but who are we kidding here? That's terrible. Unless his opponent is one with the lowest resistance, you can't be sure his weapon's effect will proc against the correct opponent. Beyond that, no follow-up is becoming increasingly common, meaning even if your opponent has a debuff, there's no guarantee it'll still work. Also, just a slight math thing here I wanted to point in, enemies tend to either have higher defense or resistance, and if they don't, they're not a huge threat unless they're super mega-buffed AI units. So an enemy who is likely to have the lowest resistance on a team is also likely to have decently high defense, so his seal works, sure. It will debuff one person as long as his health is okay, but it may not work against someone who's easy to KO. It may uh, just lower the attack and speed of someone who also has very high defense and it's hard for her to take out. Frit isn't a bad hero by any means. He has some problems, namely his speed and his reliance on his weapon's gimmick to overcome his flaws, but he's good at what he does if you keep his health up and give him reasonable teammates. I think all this makes a pretty good entry for B tier. So the following two characters were scripted by Joel from the Discord server. Uh, You may remember them from Reddit, too. uh, He's very frequent there. Big thanks to Joel for his help. Let's be honest, Legendary Marth doesn't have the greatest stat line. He has decent attack, and his best stat, Speed, is quickly becoming outclassed by the latest speed swell in the new units being released. But Legendary Marth was designed to do one thing, and he is still phenomenal at it. Kill dragons. Legendary Marth's kit is quite unique. His weapon has Dragon Effectiveness, grants plus 3 to speed, and has built-in a premium skill and bonus doubler. His unique special boasts a 2-charge cooldown and boosts damage by 30% of speed while buffing all allies by plus 4 to all stats, even if he dies. Attack Speed Bond is easier replaceable by a range of Ace slot skills from Distant Counter to Fury to sparrow, He'd prefer a skill that increases his speed to synergize with his special more. Uh, His unique B skill truly is what stands him out, though. Binding Shield is essentially Dragon Breaker that prevents uh, counter-attacks and follow-ups. Given the prevalence of uh, dragons and how tough they can be, their great power in the game, this is easily the best breaker skill available. Infantry Flash is a C skill and belongs to a set of infantry support skills that never really found a good use in the game, uh, but it is there if you want to make use of it. He's a fire season unit and adds plus 3 to HP and plus 4 to resistance. Uh, overall, his kit really needs a new A slot skill, but outside of that, it's basically good to go right when you summon him. Uh, so Joel decided to have a little bit of a throwback in honor to fill. Head to the mass duel simulator, and uh, except instead of doing a mass duel, we're only going to do a 1v1 for something special to demonstrate Marth's capabilities. So let us be clear now about Marth's role. He has the bulk to take a physical hit, but most speedy mages will make quick work of him. The unit I'm interested in is Winter Sothis. This dragon has 25 more BST than Marth, and she basically has to sneeze to get 5 to all stats on top of that. Keep in mind, her special negates dragon effective damage. This unit is a terror to anyone playing high level, arena, or arena assault. So a base kit, unmerged, neutralizing Marth, needs only a plus 3 buff to attack to delete a plus 10 Winter Sothis. Uh, Joel said, and I will quote, that makes my heart happy. So is Legendary Marth a unit you need to pull for immediately? No. But the fact that he can contribute at zero merges to any Arena Assault team or take on Dragon-based PvE content makes him worth hanging on to and worthy of B-Tier. Up next, Roy's our boy. Gen 1 Roy stood out for his incredibly balanced stat line and dragon-killing ability. He uh, was an excellent jack-of-all-trades, sort of. So fast forward two years and two infantry generations, and Legendary Roy fills much the same role. The biggest difference is, units have more roles to play. In the glut of units, that is the red sword pool, it's tough to stand out, but Legendary Roy does just that. Dragon effectiveness is pretty commonplace these days, but his weapon with built-in distant counter leaves the coveted A slot open. Roy uses it to a maximum effect, with bonus doubler. As the name implies, the ability to independently double each stat's viable bonus is not a small one. It's an incredibly potent ability. This is Covid fodder, and his C skill, Human Virtue, allows him to buff himself and adjacent units by 6 attack and speed points as long as he's adjacent to a non-beast, non-dragon ally. Roy's racism against non-humans sparked many a meme. These synergistic skills make initial builds very easy. And we can't talk about Roy without mentioning his pair of ability. Not only does he give plus 3 HP to any fire blessed units during his season, but he can also switch to a designated unit that he's paired up with. His effect also bumps his BST score to 175, which is key during Allegiance Battles fire season. Outside of Allegiance Battles, his balanced stat line gives a balanced stat bonus to the paired-up unit that can be taken advantage of in any mode that supports the paired mechanic. <laughs> So, unfortunately, we also have to talk about the downsides of legendary Roy. Balanced stat lines are extremely dependent on total stats, and these types of units don't age well. As the Master of None, uh, which, by the way, in case you didn't know, uh, the full phrase is "Jack of All Trades, Master of None." Uh, master of all, Master of None becomes a mediocre of all. <laughs> the reliance on buffs that bonus Doubler brings runs into several common hard counters. With the rise of panic staffs. Panic skills, uh, Chills, Shrines, Dulls, and uh, Aversa, it can be much harder to keep a unit visibly buffed. Overall, Legendary Roy's greatest asset is also his liability. He has no weaknesses, but no real strengths that aren't easy to exploit. So for now, this doesn't cripple his usefulness or his fodder, but as the game progresses, it is likely that his weaknesses will just get more troublesome. Still, for now, his fodder is excellent, and his ability to fight earns him a spot in B-Tier. Whew. Now, this last review for uh, Legendary Tiki was written by Nut from the Discord server, so if it sounds a bit different than how I usually speak or script, that's why. Next, we have Legendary Tiki. She's a blue armored dragon with 180 BST. Her stats are generally well-rounded, with her lowest being resistance at 29, and all her other stats being in the 30s, reaching 37 base defense as their highest stat. While well, she doesn't have any Sieber Boons, her stats are still solid, no matter which boon you choose. Her stat boost to Earth-Blessed Allies is Defense, which fits with her personal skill. Her preferred weapon is Divine Might, which has 16 Might and provides Dragon Effectiveness, Distant Counter, and the normal Dragon Adaptive Damage against ranged foes. She also comes with a preferred C skill called For Everyone. Uh, sorry, For Everyone! Exclamation mark which provides a visible defense and resistance buff of plus 5 to Tiki and any adjacent allies at the start of each turn. Outside her personal skills, she also comes with Moonbow, Fierce Breath, and Bold Fighter. Some pretty good fodder. For the most part, Tiki is a great unit. She has good stats, a base kit that doesn't require a lot of investment, and one of the best weapons available to any Dragon unit in the game. Tiki can work well as both an enemy and a player phase unit, adapting to most uses you may have for her. Her high BST also makes her great for scoring in Arena. All that aside, though, she has some strong weaknesses. Like Duma, Tiki suffers from dual effective damage to both armor and dragon. Uh, for Everyone is not amazing. Uh, it is it is not that amazing of a skill. It provides some good boost to her already good defenses, and it can support her allies well uh, at the same time. But it's still... Pretty easy to replace. It's one of the more forgettable personal skills. Her biggest problem, though, is just that she isn't the best. Her legendary, and she can get hit really hard by hammers or Nagatomes. Uh, unlike Duma, she has a pretty easy color counter. While certainly viable, she's about uh, middle, middle, middle of the road as far as uselessness as a unit is concerned. While not a bad unit by any means, she also isn't among the best. Because of that, she fits easily into the B tier. And that was the last one. In case you're wondering, how did the last 17 minutes of your life go so fast? It's because you listened to B-tier about Duma, Erica, Eliwood, Hrid, Marth, Roy, and Tiki. So if you were counting, that's seven. That's seven heroes. All the previous ones only had two heroes. This is twice as much content you're getting. You're welcome. Uh, A-tier, I believe, has eight heroes. So it is possible that that is going to take a while to get out. It all depends on how much time I have to script while I'm stuck at home. So thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember, if you'd like to reach out to the show, you can do that uh, through the show's email of theology at gmail.com or through my personal email of elialador at gmail.com. If you'd like to chat with me, you can do so on Discord at hashtag 3320. Just send me a friend request. We can talk about whatever. Give me your suggestions for the show, your feedback on the show. I appreciate it all. Uh, remember, you can send us your voice messages through Anchor. It's a ton of fun to hear what you have to say. You can do this at anchor.fm slash slash message. And lastly, if you appreciate the show and want to support it, you can do that through Anchor dot at uh, anchor.fm slash to show your philology spirit for as little as a dollar a month. Hope you all have a wonderful day and schedule another appointment with your philologists real soon. Take care.